of us when we were raising kids. Remember all those sleepless nights? I remember baby toes and baby breath. Do you remember baby wets? There's enough love in our family for one more child. We already have two. Or maybe even more. More? You and me and a family of three? Or four kids. That's what it's all about. Four kids. Really? <laughs> this is CBS. Hello, everybody. Dave Jessica Podcast. An all new one live. Yeah. Uh, not as, uh, you know, spectacular as an opening as uh, I would have wanted, but an opening nonetheless. And uh, welcome to the podcast. We've had a couple weeks off and uh, I'm feeling good and refreshed. Actually, I'm not feeling good at all. For some reason, I've got a whole bunch of congestion and nonsense. And I hope I can get through the podcast. I'm drinking tea with honey, which I absolutely hate. But I have to. Mm. Like, my throat's not sore or anything, but um, I don't know. I'm, like, congested. People tell me it's allergies, but I think it's something bad. I'm going to see the doctor in two days. I have to wait. I've had it for, like, two weeks. Ever since I went to see Marina Franklin on the Stephen Colbert show. And she did a wonderful job. And, uh, yeah, it was all, like, sickly and stuff. It was gross. And I can't stand when people are sick and hanging out, so it's way two-faced of me for um, just hanging around and pretending like everything's okay. But it technically is. I don't have a, a fever or anything, and I, I don't have a sore throat. I'm just congested, and I keep coughing as if I've been smoking for 30 years, and I don't know. Uh, I, I, I don't know. Is it bronchitis? Uh, what, what the hell? That's sort of feels like I can't tell it's getting better or worse. It seems like it's getting worse. So anyway, because if Dave just has got to go to the doctor for a cough, that means there's something wrong because I never go to. I only go to the doctor for a physical and, you know, something else that's, you know, no, like a pain or something. I never go when I'm sick. And I know people like as soon as they get sick, they immediately go to the doctor, to take an antibiotic. I usually let it run its course. But this one's just a weird one because I didn't get sick. You know, when I, I haven't been sick in like two years, I had like a 48-hour a thing uh, maybe a year ago, but it was over, and this one just won't go away. Mm. Oh, fascinating stuff. I got to tell you, this podcast is already so boring. Um, I'm not thrilled. I'm not thrilled with it. I assume everything's working okay. I don't know. It's everything so calm and perfect. Once again, doing it, you know. The All right, so I guess let's... Where... Did we last leave? In my last podcast at my house, uh, overlooking the beautiful outside as I'm looking right now, I want to see if I can get rid of this stupid air conditioner. It takes up the window view, you know, but it's all right. It's small. I can see over it. I can see, you know, right into that girl's apartment, like I told you. Victoria. That's her name, the actress. Uh, I can see the Queensboro. It's a very clear day in Manhattan. It was raining earlier, but I can see the Queensboro Bridge signs. You know, like when you get on the other side in Queens. You know, they blocked my view of the Silver Cup Studio sign. I've told you that before. But, you know, on a beautiful day like this, you can see Roosevelt Island. I can see the buses go by Roosevelt Island. Um, I can see the ships and the uh, East River. It's a, you know, it's a small view. But, like, when you live in Manhattan, like, you take 
whatever view you can get. You know, it's never going to be the spectacular one. Like, Attell's got a really spectacular one, but yet I wouldn't want to live where he lives. He lives way too high, like on the 35th floor with a, you know, slab. Like, when I'm looking outside at these people's terraces, I mean, they just do not... How do they stay up? They just look like it's a slab of concrete that somebody you know, put out and it dried and people are standing on it and they have parties up there. I don't understand how it works and it makes me very uncomfortable. When I'm looking at it right now, I mean, it must be an extension of the building somehow, right? It can't just be a slab of concrete, but I don't know. It just, how would you eat? And meanwhile, all I've ever wanted is a terrace because how nice is that, right? My friend Lawrence used to have a terrace, and um, it was pretty sweet magic. We could go out on it all the time. It's nice to have a terrace in the city because it's just nice to be outdoors sometimes. You know, that's why I'm always inside all the time. It's, you know, when I go outside, I mean, I have to go out. I have to say hello to people. I got to get dressed up, you know, because the, the doorman's there. Or I might see people I know in the building. If I lived in the suburbs, I don't know if I got to do You know, I go for a walk. Maybe I'll see somebody, but... You know, you can you can walk around without maybe seeing somebody. I don't know. What am I talking about? You know what? I, I almost want to start the whole podcast, though. I don't know what I'm doing. All right. So let's look at it this way. I don't know. Maybe I got nothing today, even though I got everything. I got so much stuff p- prepared, and yet it's all, like, kind of fakakta. So when we last left, uh, you know, I left you on the podcast with my uncle, Burns in Hell, which I thought was an outstanding podcast. I've told people, you know, you want to listen to the show, you want to see how it is, listen to that podcast. And then Podfest, if you've been keeping up, I mean, with Marina and Rachel and Memo, I, I thought it was fantastic. I, I was very happy with PodFest, even though, you know, like five people in the audience showed up, but they were excellent five people. And it was just a fun time and I think a really good podcast. And, um, yeah, I tell you, I'd like to do more live shows like that if I, you know, was more popular in my podcasting, which clearly I'm not because, you know, I put the word out, I tweeted it, and five people showed up. So, I mean, granted, it's a Saturday afternoon at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, Meanwhile, you know, a week before, I had 2,000 people or 200 people show up for the Godfather thing. So I don't know. What does that mean? I don't know. It means nobody cares and uh, some people do care. I I don't know. But um, PodFest was excellent. But after it was finished, like no one wanted to hang out. You know, like I mean, we hung out. We went out for dinner. I bought everybody dinner. I bought the entire audience dinner because... I felt like I had to. I was like, it was so nice that they came. I mean, thank God there were some audience members there, you know? Otherwise, it would have been, like, really sad. And I think the people that run the podcast enjoyed the podcast, you know, because everybody else's sucks. It's it's just not as fun. I can see it. You know, I saw other people getting ready, and there's just looks like it's boring. I feel like mine was exciting, and I had a lot of interaction with the audience, and that made it fun. But nobody wanted to hang out and my friend Lee you know straight Lee who's technically gay Lee brought this guy he's like hey want to bring this new guy I met at work and this guy was such a major douchebag I I, I don't know I guess when a gay guy meets a straight guy that he thinks is cool he just has no idea that the straight guy is a major asshole he seemed okay at first it was nice that he came and then he was smoking like a chimney so he smelled horrible when he came back to the restaurant, I'm like, is somebody smoking? It was like that bad, you know? And then, so that was the day of the Preakness. So my friend Allison came, 
you know, the one I told you about with the girl with the, the good pour or whatever. You know, she was already probably hammered. But she came, and we were watching the Preakness. I set it up on her phone so we could watch it while we were at this bar. And this douchebag, because it's on a, a small delay, he was like, hey, look who won already. And he shoved it in her face. And it was completely uncool. And I said, like, dude, what the fuck is your problem, asshole? That was so disrespectful. This girl's trying to fit, you know, she wants, she's really into the race. And then you just showed her who won? Who does something like that? So that guy was on the top of my shit list. But I still had a good time. He didn't ruin the time. But my friend Michelle was there, and she was there with some new dude who was awesome. His, uh, his, his skin is very soft. It's, it's unbelievable. But, um, you know, that everybody had to go, and I wanted to drink more. And then that guy was like, oh, we can drink more. And then Michelle's such an idiot, she went to go find a Thai restaurant. And the last thing I wanted to do was hang out with those guys on a date. So I had nothing to do. I was kind of pissed. Sarah was in town. She called her. We having dinner. And I'm like, I can't. I'm too wasted because she doesn't like that. So at least I was honest with her. And then, you know, I'm like, well, I guess I'll just walk home slowly. But I was having trouble. I guess I was hammered, a little high. And then I went to San Loco, you know, that taco place I always go to sometimes. And I just put a bunch of food and put it in my knapsack. I, maybe I took a cab home after. I don't know what happened. I ate and I felt like crap the next day because I maybe was I still sick at that point? I don't or not sick. I don't remember. Maybe that's what bought the sickness. Maybe eating that horrible food, being in that place. I, I don't really know. I don't even remember what time it was. I lost all track. So then I guess, well, right, that was on Saturday. So then on that Tuesday, I went to go see Sarah's sister, the rabbi, perf- uh, perform, you know, uh, talk, uh, you know, about her book at the 92nd Street Y. And let me tell you, this this girl, she's so... She's so cool, Rabbi Susan. I mean, she's so nice, and I really like her so much. And she was such a good speaker, and she's talking about adoption. And, uh, you know, it was very enlightening. She's just so cool. She knows everybody in the audience. She's kind of like me, you know, and there's definitely a connection between the two of us. We really like each other's company. And her daughters were there, you know, and they're, like, hot now. They're, like, 22. And one of them's, like, unbelievable. You know, they've both been in the Israeli army and, um, you know, so that's kind of badass. And one of them is like the perfect manager for Sue. She like had everything ready. She's like, mom, 20 minutes. We have to be there. 20 minutes. Then she gets to the thing. She's like, mom, I have the desktop all set up for the presentation. Everything's all set. Do you need a water? Uh, I mean, I never, I can't imagine, you know, my niece Dory doing that for my sister. Uh, I just can't imagine her having the confidence to do it. And that's because that's definitely what that is. Um, but it was way cool. So anyway, I was looking for a gift to bring because it was uh, Rabbi Susan's birthday recently. So I said, you know, it'd be a nice gesture to bring something. So, you know, I look in Barnes and Noble all the time. I'm like, what gift can I get that's funny or not funny, whatever, you know. Mm. Like, for instance, when I went to see Marina at the Stephen Colbert show, I, I was delayed and I got to work. And nothing. I was trying to get something, but nothing was open before 8 o'clock and because I had to go to work in the morning at 8 o'clock, and I got out at like 11.30, and I was, uh, or whatever, I was trying to get something. So I went to Dwayne Reed, and I bought some, you know, I bought a Panera bread card, you know, under the guise that, uh, hey, I remember your joke where you said, you know, white people are coming to Harlem because they're, there's salad places, you know, so I bought a Panera bread thing. I don't think she understood. It wasn't a good 
gag because sometimes my stuff is good, but that one fell really flat, and it was. Um, I, I wanted to get flowers, but I just couldn't find any. I really tried to get flowers, and for Jessica Pilot because it was her birthday, I got her. You know, the ultimate gag gift was a Hooters, you know, twenty five dollar gift card to Hooters. Um, you know, it's a joke, and then the next day she tweeted, and she was used. She was at Hooters. She like used the card. I mean, you know. You got to love that girl sometimes. I mean, that's really funny. She used the card. You know how happy that made me? I was like, it was kind of a gab gift. I'm like, well, I'll throw $25 away. She's never going to use. She used it. She sent pictures to me. That was really funny. I have no desire to ever go to Hooters. I, you know, I finally went. I went twice. And the food is bad. You know, the wings, you know, I'm a wing guy. The wings there are horrible. So that I choose not to go. I suppose I could eat something else. The girls are certainly very entertaining there. So anyway, I went to Barnes and Noble and I bought, I found, I, I, I don't know what I was thinking. I think, you know, I'm thinking of people, when I go to buy people gifts, I'm thinking of everything. What do I know about this person? What can I do? What can I do? And I thought of, I'm just finally getting into the, the, the podcast mode. You know, it's like I've been off and I feel like uh, I'm rambling around, but now I'm getting into it. So I thought of this Brady Bunch episode from many years ago. The internet and looking for gifts is amazing because they go. It's it's amazing what you can do. So I remember a Brady Bunch episode, which was a spinoff. With they wanted a, a spinoff to another series with Ken Berry from F Troop and uh, some other whore, and they adopted a kid. I don't know if you, you know, a lot of you who listen to my show probably remember the episode. So, uh, but, I mean, I remember it vividly. So the next door neighbors of the Bradys, this one-time event, it's called Kelly's Kids. That's the name of the episode. The guy's name is something Kelly. And he adopts, they adopt a kid, a good-looking white boy. And when they bring him back home, uh, you know, he's having a lot of fun at the Brady's house, whatever, because they got a lot of kids. But then it gets lonely at night because he misses some of the kids at the orphanage. <laughs> you know, it's just always funny for some reason. I, I don't know. It's, it's like a horrible place, but it always seems like something out of Oliver, you know. And he misses his friend. He's, he's always like, I wish Dwayne and Steve were here. Do, do you remember this one at all? So the parents go to the orphanage to see about this Dwayne and Steve. Maybe thinking like, well, I mean, if we got one kid. And it turns out Dwayne and Steve, one is black and one is Chinese. What? So they come out and they're like, oh, well, it was very nice to meet you. And they're like, yeah, see you around. You know, and they're looking at each other they're like, oh, I didn't see that coming. Anyway, it's a classic, you know, if you watch the Brady Bunch like I do, you know, every episode. And that was one of those ones that you remember but then you also forget because, you know, it rarely aired and it was such a completely different premise. <coughs> Sorry. But it's the one with Dwayne and Steve, and I remember it vividly. So I say, well, in fact, uh, I, I think I have a clip. How do you like that? Um, is this one? It? Like two of them. Uh, let's see. what is this it?
Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a classic. Okay. Uh, this. Okay, wait. Let's let's do the first one first because you know that music is so fucking awesome. Uh, here's this. Okay. Hey, how come you get that bit? Please take the bunks. This one's mine. How come this one is yours? I've been sleeping it all week. We ought to take turns. Yeah. This bed is mine. Let's get him. Yeah. <laughs> then they go through uh, about an hour and a half pillow fight, which isn't hot, you know, because they're boys. I remember when I first saw this episode, I was scared. I'm like, why would he want those guys in the house? Now they're like beating him up because now he's got to share a bed. Like, what's the matter with this kid? He was just in an orphanage. Wouldn't he want his own room? And, it, you know, some black kid is threatening me to get my bed. I was terrified of this episode. Terrified. Then uh, Ken Berry comes in, and he starts getting into the pillow fight. And you can see the zaniness here. How, how did this not get picked up? And then the wife comes in. What? She goes, I haven't got three little boys. I've got four little boys. Mrs. Phillips waved the usual waiting period, and the boys are with us now. Oh, Kathy, I'm so glad. Yeah. Oh, they've been absolute angels. I can hardly wait for Monday when I take those three to school to register them. What an assortment. Yeah, the Kelly Rainbow. <laughs> <laughs> what the f- What is it? What, who writes this stuff? You know, so that's Mrs. She calls Mrs. Brady, so they can connect the two, uh, you know, shows for, like, no reason. Uh, I don't even know why the Brady showed up for that episode. But, um, yeah, so uh, then at the towards the end of this, Ken Berry is teaching them how to do a soft shoe number, which, of course, makes zero sense. Okay, troops, now I'm going to show you one more time, and then we'll all do it together, okay? okay. All right, now it starts with the soft shoe step, right? Da, 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 they all have canes and, and hats. Da, da, da. Now, remember the cane trick I showed you? And the slide, now the big finish. Womp, thump, thump. Bum, 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 and the hat. Okay? okay. Want to tie it together? Okay. You ready? Easy. All right, here we go. And the soft shoe. And now the paddle turn. Good, 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 good. Now the cane trick. All right. And the slide. Now the big finish. Okay, pick it up. Now, let's go for the big finish. Bump, 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 and the hat. Boom. Good, good. Hey, you're doing great. Doing great. Let me get back here where I can watch you. Let's try it one more time, okay? okay. And the soft shoe. And the dump, 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 How long does this go for? Ride, now the paddle turn. Oh. He runs into his wife like in the honeymoon. We were just uh, getting ready for bed, right, guys? Why is the wife always the bad guy? Uh, big finish. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> How did that show not get picked up? Well, you know. Exhibit A. Now, the reason, uh, again, of course, why I remember it really well is because there's the next door neighbor who, where they play that music, kind of like Darth Vader. She has her own theme where she comes up and says, I understand now you have a child. Ch- children play in flowers. She's like the, you know, my favorite actress, Margaret Hamilton, the Wicked Witch of the West of this episode. And I think about it all the time. I remember when I started yelling at some kids in my building, uh, I remember thinking of this woman. Oh, my God, I've become this woman who I'm about to play. 
And when my neighbors, who I love, had the baby, I wanted to knock on their door and do this bit, but they would never understand. They're too young. And not just being too young, they've obviously gotten laid before because only a person that's never had sex in their lives would remember this. Oh, hi. Uh, Mr. Kelly, I see you now have several children. Three altogether. Of uh, various colors, one might say. You just did. Mind you, I'm not a bigot. I believe that blacks, yellows, everybody has a place in our society. Mm. Why, Mr. Payne and I even managed to be cordial to the Shapiros on the next block. That's very generous of you. <laughs> we try. <laughs> Nevertheless, three small boys are apt to be destructive. Especially the minorities. Congratulations, Mrs. Payne. You have my vote for neighbor of the year. I considered that remark uncalled for. If nobody calls for it in 30 days, it's all yours, baby. I mean, that's, you know, that's stupid, but it's, it's like, that's so risque for the Brady Bunch, you know, talking about prejudice and racism. What? Uh, but of course I remember it because I was just like, you know, that's what I want to do. I'm like, especially the minorities. I just want to go to my neighbors. I understand now. I can't wait for them to have another kids. I understand now you have two children. Children keep you up at night, scream all day, and are always dirty and disgusting. I really want to go up to their house and do that, but they'll never understand the context of them. What's the point? But I might do it anyway. Because um, <laughs> I don't care. It's too funny. So the funny thing about this uh, particular episode. So so I look it up on my phone. You know, I'm like, which one's that episode? What season? Because they have all the Brady Bunch. And I found out it was like episode 14, season five. Isn't the internet fantastic? So I know I can buy the DVD version. And again, it's a gag. I don't expect to actually watch it. But it's the thought, you know, episode 14 season five i bought her the brady bunch season five i wrapped it up i gave it to her and wow did i i mean i've always gotten really lucky with this girl in the sense that like i just always seem to do the right thing i mean she's you're not gonna believe this she opens it up i tell her the episode she goes oh my god this is the reason this episode's the reason i started it i want always wanted to adopt children like, that episode meant a lot to her. So, pay dirt, you know? I mean, it just got lucky. I was kind of doing it as a goof. But that episode, to her, was, I guess, as effective as it was to me because I didn't know about it. I mean, if you think about it, it's a stupid show. It's a stupid Brady Bunch. But who knew about adoption when you were a kid? So, this, this episode spoke to her and, and really opened the floodgates. Like, I really want to adopt and I want to adopt kids of multiple races you know of different kind of races i mean how interesting because she adopted two black kids from kenya i think i think it's kenya uh or ethiopia i i don't know but um and they're just part of the family they have this mixed family and she was talking about how you know there's um kind of interesting thing about in her book where the curve of orphan kids is off by about 10 million you know, like there's so many kids who aren't counted. It's off by that many, which was, you know, really interesting. When you, you know, when you go to see one of these things with somebody speaking and then you, you actually hear something, you know, when you're like, well, I'm not going to be interested in this. But then 
you know, something hits you like, wow, that is interesting, you know, then it's kind of great. And she didn't speak for long, which was perfect. And me and Sarah were having a good time. We are you know, making some jokes and stuff, and it was really fun. And, um, yeah, it was... Uh, but So, anyway, uh, about this, just before I uh, finish, uh, about this particular episode, I was doing some research on it, because, you know, I love this kind of stuff. So that episode is the only other episode besides the pilot written by Sherwood Schwartz, who created the Brady Bunch. Otherwise, he had other people write the episodes. But he was really hoping for this to be... A hit. Now that was 1974, let's say, and then in 1986, uh, he really he tried again using this exact same play. He was so positive that this was a show that was important, and in many ways, it's it's ironic because it is, but maybe it's too soon because even Susie, you know, Silverman says nobody knows about it. But he tried again in eighty, like ten, about eight years later, no, twelve years later. He tried again with a show called, well, there was two different shows. Oh, the first one was called Together We Stand. Together We Stand. And I think this was the, what I played up front. Is this the one? Let's see. When the agency called us, how could I say no? Easy, no. What's one more child to love? We already have two children that I love. Of course, I was hoping we'd get a baby. They sent us a teenager. So I put away the stroller. And I hid the car keys. How could I say no? I just taught you that. Loving, that's what it's all about. And orthodontists and college tuition, and they're going to find the keys to the car. I mean, that's, a, that's the promo for the show in 1986 called Together We Stand with Elliot Gould, D. Wallace Stone from E.T., and uh, some hot girl, some douchebag red-haired, red-haired guy, the kid from Short Round from uh, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom played the Asian kid and an adorable little black girl. So it was the exact same premise, and you can hear what they're saying, and like, what's three or four kids, whatever? Like, oh, I'm saying no, i got to hide the car keys. Well, ha! It's like if you didn't know it was by Sherwood Schwartz already, you, you, you already would. Um, and... So this is 86, so Short Round's a little older because that uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark 2 was 84. So he's like two years, you know, but, you know, two years is different. You know, these Asian kids, uh, I, don't, no, I don't know about that. But So that promo seems horrible. I mean, it, it just flopped immediately. Um, is this the, here's, a, here's the other promo. Remember all those sleepless nights? I remember baby toes and baby breath. Do you remember baby wets? There's enough love in our family for one more child. But we already have two. Or maybe even more. More? You and me and a family of three? Or four kids. That's what it's all about. Four kids. Really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what I played up front. Uh, doesn't that just sound hard? I mean, can you... How did that work? I mean, just the promos alone stink. And it's Elliot Gould and... You know, he was, well, I don't know how hot he was at that point, but uh, well, obviously he chose a sitcom, so I guess he wasn't doing that good. But, um, uh, you know, it, the exact same premise. So they, they have to, uh, uh, the, the premise was they can't have any kids, so he adopt this, uh, I, I think, a hot girl. <laughs> Not on purpose, but she's sexy. Uh, you know me. And then they do end up having a child some, by some miracle, and then they adopt two more kids for what reason I'm not positive. Uh, well, I know in the 
Oh, because there was a pushy adoption agency woman trying to get them to adopt more. I think that's the premise. Now, the funny thing is, I mean, Sherwood Schwartz was so into this show that it it failed. And then they retooled it and got rid of Elliot Gould, said he died in a car crash. And for God knows what reason they even need to say that at that point, because, you know, it's not like the comic book guy was around then or anything. And... uh for the Simpsons, but then they retitled it to Nothing is Easy because now she was a single mother with four kids. And the, I think she had, did she have a wacky next door neighbor or the wacky adoption agency later? I can't remember. I think this is the opening credits, which is again 80s to the max. Oh, uh, yeah, you know it. Would you even watch this show if the opening along it would be so angry? Yeah, then they added the drums. Starring Short Round. Wow, I mean, they really lost their way from uh, Big John, Little John, which is the greatest opening of all time. Uh, you know, so what a horrible opening, what a horrible show. A, I think they filmed like 13 episodes, aired three or six, you know, moved it from time to time, slime slide. But isn't that interesting? From that one pilot, Sherwood Schwartz was so positive that this idea about an adopted family. And so the reason he was able to do it in 86 was because CBS was desperate to have anything to rival Cosby. And that is why this even got more than one episode or that it got retooled after the horrible pilot because they were... I mean, you don't even remember. Cosby was so huge. That's what's so messed up about the fact that he loves the drug ladies because he you'll never be able to describe to your children it, it, it's, it's like the way our parents would try to describe to us how huge Ed Sullivan was. This is how big that Cosby show was. It was so huge. And I remember, and I've told you this on the show before, I used to be friends with this guy at ABC and he would just talk to me for hours and we would talk on the phone and I was, that's before I knew he was gay and he was hitting on me. But we would, you know, I love talking about television. That's a whole other story. I love talking about television and he would um, tell me, he's like, our major problem right now is uh, why bother signing on on Thursday nights at eight o'clock? I mean, people were really, really upset. And it's so funny because people were so positive that Cosby was going to make another billion dollars from syndicating the Cosby show, that it was going to be another mash, you know, or something, that it was going to be so hot in syndication and he was going to get all this money and it, it just died. I mean, no, the syndication was horrible for Cosby. It's so weird for a show to be so popular and then just die. You know, the, you know how popular Friends and Seinfeld is? Cosby just 
just you know, I, I think it's his fault. He just ran it into the ground, or just it had its time, and that was. I mean, he definitely ran into the ground. We all know that. You know, you can tell uh, uh, that lesbian girl now, uh, the one that was on the View. You know, the heavy one, Raven Simone. You know, she'll tell you. Oh yeah, that guy didn't get it. You know, he should have stopped. But whatever the case may be, I mean, I don't know. It just ended its run. You know, it had two, three years of massive ratings, success, and then it just died fast. But uh, so that's how this show got made all from, you know, I guess they were like, Sherwood, what do you got? We need a family show. And he's like, well, I've been waiting to do this thing. That's, that has to be the answer. But how interesting is it, though, of course, that uh, that Susie found that episode to be the one that started it off for her to and I didn't realize too that the Silvermans were like a foster family house. They would like have kids waiting to get adopted in their house. Apparently, I didn't. I don't remember that. Maybe Sarah told me, and I didn't even believe it because it just sounds so weird. Uh, but <coughs> sorry, see, it's disgusting. And you know, when I was on the Artie show last time, they're like. Dave's cough has to get checked out or something. And I didn't have that cough then. And I listened to that entire podcast and I didn't hear myself coughing. I'm, ho- I'm hoping she was talking about a tell because he does have a bad cough because he caught because he smokes. Anyway, then um, after the show. Uh, uh, Sarah and I walked home. We had a great night and we're like best friends again, you know, after the Shanling incident and everything. So we're good. And. That uh oh so so that Sunday the I think the Sunday before that she had a show at Brooklyn Academy of Music and I went there and we hung out uh, afterwards with the CNBC host Lawrence O'Donnell and he was a really nice guy and we hung out and her agent this really good looking Asian girl uh, dropped me off she was staying up where I live. And she dropped me off on 55th and 3rd. And she's like, oh, what do you do? And I'm like, I don't know, I drink. I didn't know what to say. I don't know, like, well, I'm an actor. I, you know, I, just, I, I didn't know what to say. So I just like, hey, you know, I go drinking. And uh, I'm like, this is one of my plays. I was pointing to PJ Clark. So I'm like, yeah, but, you know, not tonight, you know, <laughs> usually. So she drops me off. I walk out of the car. The car, Her car is out of light. I walk into PJ Clark's. I see my friend is working there. So I end up going in. And then I was thinking later, I'm like, oh, my God, how embarrassing would that be? Like, I'm like, well, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to drink tonight. You know, it's late. And then she saw me go in there anyway. She must think I'm an idiot. Cause I, you know, I never heard from her. So she must have seen that, which is kind of funny. Uh, but that was uh, pretty good. So then the next night after I saw Sarah, she had a charity event for a gala for arts, education, and public schools. Now, you might have read about this in the paper. <coughs> the, uh, it, it, there was, people were upset about it because they said Sarah's routine at the charity event was described as considerably dirty and outrageous. She managed to include topics from vomit to semen with gags mentioning abortion, sexual assault, her dead dog, and sex with boyfriend Michael Sheen. And they said even for teens it was raunchy. You know, somebody was complaining... I know exactly what bit she was doing because she had done them on Sunday and she's got this really funny bit which makes me laugh about her uh, her sister Jody, who was so drunk at college once, so drunk, she was vomiting in the toilet and she was so unconscious and couldn't 
you know, keep her wits about her, she felt her pants slide down and she thought she was getting raped from behind, you know, that somebody was taking advantage of her and there was nothing she could do about it because she was throwing up so hard and she couldn't control herself and she was really scared. But then after the vomiting ended, she realized that she had made a huge duty in her pants so badly that her pants fell off. And <laughs> I mean, it's sick, and it's, but it's funny because she was so happy that she wasn't getting raped. You know, it's like the only time you'd be happy you shit your pants ever because the relief of not getting raped was big. Now, that's a great joke, and it is classic Sarah Silverman. Now, I, I know you're with me on this. Why hire Sarah Silverman if you're going to worry about any of her content? And don't hire Sarah Silverman for a charity event if you're going to say, oh, can you please take it down? You know what you're getting. Is there anything in this description? Uh, vomit, semen, abortion, sexual assault, dead dog, sex with boyfriend. Is there anything in that description that you haven't heard Sarah do before? I mean, who the hell is It's not like Sarah's a new comic and they got in a recommendation. She's a movie star. Everybody knows what Sarah Silverman does. Who's complaining? That, that was really weird. Meanwhile, they ended up raising $900,000, so shut up. That's so weird. Like, who did you think you were hiring? What do you think she was going to do? Uh, you know, if you want somebody less offensive, you know, hire Lenny Marcus or something. I, I don't know. I'm just saying. I mean, hire me. <laughs> you know? I mean, that's what you get. And you know people loved it anyway. What's the difference? She tells a story. I mean, it's so funny. She has this joke now that she's at the hotel room and she has to, she calls downstairs to the hotel. She goes, yeah, there's a problem. There's semen uh, on my bed. Yeah, and there's semen on my bed, on the tabletops, on the bathroom top, and on my tits. And then you realize that, you know, they've been fucking all over the place. And that's, uh, you know, it's really funny. It's, that's, that's very funny. <coughs> yeah, it's dirty, but, I mean, it's Sarah. And it's, that's the way she says it. It's brilliant. You don't think that's funny? Of course it's funny. And it doesn't matter. If you don't think it's funny, you know, big deal. Don't go to that event. But who doesn't like Sarah? Who's at a charity for the arts who doesn't like Sarah Silverman? I can understand if you're at, you know, a science festival or something, and even those guys would probably worship for Sarah to be there. That's so weird, right? Mm. Anyway, uh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, oh, that kid, Jonathan K. Kwan. Short round. That's what I was telling. Oh, yeah, here. Together We Stand is about a married couple and their array of adopted children from all walks of life. Yeah, a black and a Chinese. That's all walks. Yeah. Uh, oh, who cares? The series was pulled by CBS after six episodes. The show returned three months later with a new title, new opening credits, a new theme song, and a new cast member. Oh, she, Julia, whatever, as a bitter divorced neighbor. Elliot Gould did not appear in the revamp series. His character was killed off in an automobile accident. Uh... Oh, yeah, I have the picture here. This is great. I have the picture for the, you know, from the TV guide. Uh, she's raising four very different kids alone. This is the tag. 
four times the love, four times the laughs, and four times the laundry. (laughs) Nothing is easy, is it all this? Nothing is easy, because nothing is easy. Yeah, nothing's easy. The hand that you were dealt, nothing is easy. Yeah, nothing is easy. Let's get to the uh, drum solo. Yes, I know it's low. Four times the laughs and the love. We're gonna be all right. Right. Ugh. I mean, to get the stench out of that, I think you know what we need if I have it. I don't know where I have it. Oh, my God. <coughs> I'm sorry. That is disgusting. What's the matter with me? What do I have? Uh, let's see. Here we go. We know we need it. Big John has a problem. Now see, now this As is a... As you can plainly see. This is a theme. One minute he's 40. The next he's 33. Big John keeps a changing before your very eyes. He's 25 and then 19, then 12 years old inside. Big John, little John, what a way to grow. Big John, little John, moves from high to low. I'll tell you something, I got a new computer and I think the sound is still shit. I have so much trouble with my damn computers. It's really frustrating. Anyway, Memorial Day weekend, we went strawberry picking, right? And then I showed the kids Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Uh, I felt that was what we were going to do. And I think they liked it. You know, I can't tell. I think it holds up. I think they liked it. The middle one left for the beach in the middle. But I think the other two liked it. I told them it was by the same director as my nephew Billy had seen Alice Through the Looking Glasses. It's the same director. He goes, that movie sucked. Boy, that movie bombed. That movie, apparently. And Billy was like, oh, my God, it sucked. And he's 13. It's made for him. He's like, it sucks. Um, then I, yeah, then I got sick and then Memorial Day, uh, Monday, you know, I went to El Quijote, which, uh, I wasn't going to go to cause El Quijote, you know, that's where we have lobsters with my neighbors, Kenny and Jody every Memorial Day, but we were going to go to Central Vasco, but then Jody chimed in and said, I read it that they have dead lobsters. Oh no, they know a guy that sells lobsters and he says Central Vasco is dead lobsters there. So. We went back to El Quixote anyway. It wasn't bad. Yeah, I had the Daily Double. It's just not like it used to be. They raised their prices. The Daily Double used to be two lobsters for thirty-two fifty, and now it's two lobsters for fifty-four dollars. So it's not, you know, the the deal that you were getting the Daily Double, you know, which is amazing. So my friend Lawrence's father died on uh, Monday. So last week I was just at like uh, the funeral Wednesday, and then I went back on Friday. And uh, that was fun. You know, I, I never have a bad time at funerals. It was nice to see everybody. And uh, that was super fun, actually. I know it's weird, right? But uh, but his father was cool. And then Friday was Liza's birthday. Now, remember, I'm taking the one kid to London. So I said, 
to my other niece. I'm, you know, I feel bad getting her card. Uh, so I am taking her to this thing called Escape the Room. I don't know if you heard of it, but it's this place where you get an hour. You bring in, like I said, you can bring like six of your friends or five of your friends and yourself. And me and Ashley are going to go, be the adult supervision, even though Ashley's their age. Uh, and you go and you have an hour to get out of the room with the clues that are in the room. And she's like, I would love to do that. Because I can't tell with this kid. She's an actual real 17-year-old you know, that has normal friends and, and has friends and is a normal 17-year-old. So I, you know, I don't think she wants to hang out with her uncle, but I think she's into it. And then we're going to go for dim sum. So I think that will be a perfect day. I hope. You know, I'm nervous because uh, I'm doing it in Chinatown and transporting all those suburban kids down there. I, I don't know. But we went to the Cheesecake Factory on Friday. And um, I like that place, you know. They got a, they got a hell of a menu there. And then I went to the track on Saturday for the Maria Messina Invitational. And it was awesome. First, I drove this uh, this girl, Eileen, who is uh, one of the nurses at this uh, children's hospital. And she was very nice. I was nervous driving somebody, you know, you know me. But she was nothing but nice. Uh, but she didn't like my car seat. Everybody tells me that the passenger seat in my car is amazing and the most comfortable seat. And she was like, I don't know, I guess. You know, that's just like, where is she finding a better seat? She doesn't have her own car. What is that all about? How dare she? She was lucky I didn't drop her off right on the turnpike there. Anyway, we went down there. I had an excellent time because I won 500 bucks. It was awesome on an exacta, not even a trifecta. My friend, cousin Frankie, he's got this uh, girlfriend. He's got this girl, Danielle. And she goes, Dave, I don't know how to bet. So, But I want to bet this one horse, the four horse, uh, Chubby Hole or whatever his name was. And I'm like, well, you could bet that, but it's not going to be a big payday because, uh, you know, it's favored. And she goes, well, what can I do to make the maximum amount of money? And I'm like, well, if you put in this the five horse with it, that's more of, you know, it's got a lot more odds. And if that comes in, then you'll win big. And she goes, okay, I'm going to buy you a ticket. I'm going to buy us both a $2 exacta, which was the true exacta, you know, not just the, the $1 exacta. And it came in. Couldn't believe it. Came in with dollars $497. We both collected $1,000 at that moment. We wiped out the guy's cash register. He goes, geez, I don't have any hundreds left. I didn't think you were going to. And then I kept winning like a bunch of exasters. You know, kept, you know, making it even stuff. It was great. Because then I bought her another ticket, which we won. And I was just hitting him. It was awesome. Then I went to the beach and I saw Dr. Elliot. We went to the cabana. And he's got his cabana decorated with pictures. I know this seems weird, but it's pictures of me. He's just got it decorated nice. Pictures of a tell. Pictures of his favorite comics, uh, Spicoli from Fast Times, and a lot of Grateful Dead. It's so nice. He really takes pride in like decorating. It was so awesome hanging out and stuff. So then I hadn't eaten really anything, so I was going to stop at White Rose, but I ended up stopping at Tasty Sub, which is the true Jersey sub, not that stupid Jersey Mike's, which are a bag of shit, which I really have to call up. I got to write a letter to Jersey Mike and tell him, your employees at the Jersey subs on Third Avenue are dicks, and they wouldn't know how to make a sub if it bit them in the face, in their stupid face. Uh, and then I had diarrhea. I don't know what happened. I don't. I don't. I don't know. 
I and then I just you know was sick again and stuff in the car, and I was just trying to make it home. I don't know what happened. I guess I ate too fast or something, and all of a sudden the you know the sickness started coming back. And I had a couple of drinks, maybe the alcohol. I don't know. I don't know what I have. Maybe the alcohol was affecting it. I can't. I don't know. And then the next day, I had to go to Attell's house because he's putting together that web game show series, and we did it. And I was working the puppet stuff. I think I, I did a really good job. Uh, you know, I was trying to keep it together with my voice and everything. And I think he was really happy. And uh, hopefully, I'm going to be in the actual uh, episodes. But, you know, I got paid either way. That was good. And then I just hung around and I was by, you know, I told you I have a standing spot at the Broadway Comedy Club at 945 every Sunday. And I was right by there. So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to stop in. I'm going to go on. And I went on. I had a great set. And then I walked. I was walking home. and I stopped at PJ Clark's again. I'm like, there's my friend. I'll have a beer. And then this girl texts me. and She goes, hey, are you in the neighborhood? And I'm like, no, I'm away. And then I see her at the end of the bar. And I'm like, I don't know. Do I open this can of worms? You know, she's a little crazy. So I do, and I go in, and I see her, and she's with a friend. And the friend is also insane and pretty drunk, I guess. I think they'd been bar hopping all day. But the friend knows uh, Sal Governale from the Howard Stern Show, and I told her I was going to be on the wrap-up show. Did I tell you guys this? I'm going to be... I don't know whether I think I mentioned the news already that I'm going to be on the Howard Stern wrap up show on July 28th. Very excited about it. Uh, anyway, I went over to this girl's house and yeah, I went over. And she goes, do you want to come see my house? She just moved in the neighborhood. I'm like, sure. And I'm like, you know, I'm thinking, well, I don't know. You know, what's, going what's, going what's happening here? So we're walking down the street. She lives in the neighborhood. And as we're walking down the street, she's picking up garbage. Yeah, she's picking up like. Oh, there's a lamp fixture. I don't even know how she saw it. It was across the street. She's picking up lamp fixtures, picking up wood. And I'm like, I'm, she's like, can you help me carry this? I'm like, absolutely not. I'm not touching any of that. She's like, this is going to look great in my apartment. I'm like, I don't know where you live, but this is disgusting. And then she put in a car. Apparently, she had just come up from like Charlottesville, Virginia. That's all she was talking about. And then she invited me up to the apartment. It's a six-floor walk-up, and I finally had to help carry stuff. I was you know, pretty angry about it, but she seemed okay. And went to the apartment. The apartment's disgusting. And she was such a disaster in a way that I recorded it. I decided, I'm like, I'm going to record some of this stuff. And I have it here. So I'm going to play some of it. Let's see if, I don't know if you can hear it, but I'm going to give it a try. Well, catch up off that. Now she's already yelling at me because she has a dog. She's like, he, he has a heart murmur. Can you please airlift him up to the bed? Okay. She's like yelling at me. And I'm like, I didn't touch him. I didn't do anything. She's like, you know, she's obsessed with this dog. The way I'm obsessed with my cat. But when I have a guest, I put the cat aside and I concentrate on the guest. I mean, she was just decorating her apartment the entire time. It was really getting frustrating. And all I wanted to do was see her roof. She mentioned she had a roof. If she didn't want to go to the roof, I don't mind saying, I don't mind hanging out here. And then I'll make my way. But you said we were going to go to the roof. When are we going to go to the roof? I was there for two hours. She was just putting up lighting fixtures, doing all this stuff. And then yelling at me if I looked at the dog the wrong way. Here's some more. When you have kids, 
You have kids? Yeah. You do? Yeah. You're talking about your dog. Yeah. You don't have any kids' kids. Yeah. Do you have kids? Yeah. No, I can't, you know what? Because I had this look and I miss my baby is. And then, you know what? Then it was like the weird times. You know, kids kind of fucking annoy me. I would like to maybe if they were my kids, it wouldn't be like. I mean, she's like, uh, yeah, you know, I have kids. She doesn't have any kids. Isn't that weird? And she's like, you know, kids are annoying. I'm like, why, why would she even say that? She doesn't have any kids. What's she talking about? This is what guys have to do. You know, we have to put up with stuff. Very, very patient. Oh, so he now mean, hears me yelling at her because I just want to leave. You really don't. <coughs> she's like, you, you, you don't know what I've been through. You really don't. You sure you're not going to clean it right now? No, but I'm just readjusting. I'm going to keep it like the free. I know. That's what I was saying. I knew this is going to be a readjustment period for another half hour. You can see where I'm just like, oh, come on, let's just get this going already. Well, I, I'm not rushing you. I, I've been very, very patient. I think it's, you don't see that? I think this work stuff is really fucking dead to you. No, it's not. It's just, I, I, you know, I just, I don't know how much more of you're watching you clean I can take. I yeah, I thought I was being like very honest, you know, like uh, I'm like, look, I, I can't watch you clean anymore. I got to I got to do something. Are we going to the roof? Are we going? I don't know. Am I wrong in that? I'm just like I, I was there for like an hour and a half already. At that point, I'm just watching her clean. I'm watching her go to the bathtub and soak stuff. I'm like, this sucks. And then she, um, you know, comfortable in her place because she takes the couch cushions that I'm leaning on. She goes, yeah, let me take those. And she puts them where she's sitting so she can sit down. It was like rude, and I pointed it out because I really was being polite and trying to be a gentleman, and um, I was just getting nothing in return. And then he even pointed out to her, I'm like, you know, I'm technically looking at this the other way. I'm the guest. You're supposed to pay attention to me. I mean, I don't, I mean I'm just saying it was like, what, what am I even doing here? I don't know what she's talking about. She's crazy. Feed the dog the fucking food. You see, I'm getting angry. I'm just feed the dog the food already, and let's get out of here. And I'm trying to say it polite. I'm doing a little laugh. <laughs> but I'm, oh, I'm really getting frustrated. So I'm like, look, either take me to the roof or don't take me to the roof. I love rooftops. I just want to see it. It wasn't that great. And, oh, she has these prostitutes that live uh, in the third floor, and they were sitting on their terrace. And, I mean, I'm like, what kind of place is this? This is my neighborhood? This is where she, she won't leave. She's like, well, let me just play this one more song. I think I ruined the gag already. And like, why this song? And I'm waiting all this time to hear this song. Are you ready? How can you consider that this I would be in a rush if I've just been kind of sitting around watching you clean? Is this Leroy Brown? It's an odd choice. Very interesting. I want you to have your attitude. I want you to have your wisdom out here. I want you to know what? You know, treat other people the way you want to treat them. Don't treat me important. Don't treat me important. Don't give me a fucking dumbass. You hear her talking? She's like, this is talking about I don't know whether this is interesting or not. I just thought it was kind of funny. And I mean, why, you know, I can't escape this place. She's playing Leroy Brown. That's the song she wanted me to hear. Yeah. 
Then she's like, oh wait, here's another one. This is your driving music? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, only because it's been like an hour and a half. <laughs> you just keep fixing up the apartment. And then she keeps sitting down. She's fixing up the apartment. She keeps sitting down. I'm like, are we leaving or what? I'm, I'm skipping ahead. Hi, Daddy. You want to go see this? We don't have to do this, you understand? Are you sure? Because you're actually saying while you're sitting down. It doesn't bother me if she doesn't want to see the roof, but she's like, it's already two in the morning. I'm like, how much longer do I have to stay there and wait to go? I, you know what I'm saying? It's like a Sunday night. You know, it's not like it's nine o'clock and we could just hang out. And we weren't hanging. She was up and down and up and down and fixing stuff, telling me to move because the carpeting was going. I don't think I'm wrong here. Yeah. From Long Island, you had kids, you had divorced, you know, you're Jewish, you're being a fucking ass, uh, you know, you worked at the uh, dental thing in Red Bank, oh, you know, and his partner works at, you know, Long Branch. Who gives a shit about other people? I'd rather talk about you and me. She, she, and then she got mad at me because I was in the way of her dog on the roof. Like, you're like, you're blocking him. You're blocking him so he can't play with his toy. I'm like, how am I blocking him? And then she started getting mad because I was like, then she's like, I wish I could find that part where she was just like, now you're folding your arms. Uh, Let me see if I can get it. Imagine you're fucking blocking my fucking door. There it is. Try not to enjoy your fucking time. Didn't I ask you? Did you just see he was in motion and you're like right up in his fucking ass? You didn't catch that? I didn't catch it, but he was looking like it's not like he does. He's totally fucking engrossed. Please, give the guy a little fucking privacy. You're kidding, right? No. Yeah, I just left him at home. I just fed him. He ate his thing. And they make it up tight. Don't make it I'm making your dog up tight? Dude, please, don't cross your arms because... Don't you, cross my arms. Because I'm already, you're already guilty of being, you know... Don't cross my arms. Can you imagine this? I'm like, why am I still here? I don't, what am I doing? Don't cross my arms. She's crazy. And then she's like, just sit down. I'm like, the seats are all wet. She goes, if you were a gentleman, you would have bought a towel up here. And I'm like, this is your place. Where am I going to get a towel from unless you give it to me? Are you sure? You're making them, yeah, just, well, you, sit, well, you have to sit down. You have to sit down and relax, actually. Well, you know I'm going to sit on a wet chair. You understand that? Well, right? you know what, and, and a gentleman, Well, that's. I was just in Charlottesville, and they treated me like a cowboy. I don't know what that means. She's like, I was just in Charlottesville, and that's all she said all night long. I was just in Charlottesville, and they treated me like a cowboy. What the hell does that mean? Here's here's the part where I leave. I'm sure you understand that the reason no one was understanding. sat down earlier. You took away the cushion. Now she's telling me to be quiet. When meanwhile she's been playing that loud music in her apartment the entire time. I'm sitting, so oh, I'm just sitting. Don't ruin it. Just ruin it on him. Okay. Thank you so much for a lovely. You're really out of your mind. He never does that. You hear? I'm like, thank you so much for a lovely evening. You're really out of your mind. And then you can hear her just going back, like, oh, you know, did you see the sky and the way it is? It's like she she didn't even care. I I don't even. What a weirdo. I thought I'd play that for you. I don't know. I hope that was interesting. I, I think it's funny going on, a, you know, meeting somebody and just, you know, you're trying to put your time in and you, you, you're trying to 
to be cool. I really thought I was being polite, but what are you going to do? It's a wackadoodle, huh? The next day I got a text from her. She's like, yeah, can I use your laundry machines? It's so weird. I don't know whether that was, um, you know, good for the... I don't know. I don't know whether... uh, I don't know. I suppose I could edit that out, but I, I think I'll keep it. I don't know. Can't decide. I mean, it's interesting, right? Is it? Or am I crazy? Was that boring? I don't know. I guess we'll figure it out. So the Tonys are uh, Sunday. I thought they were last Sunday for some reason. And uh, I didn't bother doing a Tony's cast. You know, I was going to do it with Scotty, but it, it was Memorial Day weekend. And I was like, if you had a chance to go to the beach, just forget it. We were going to do it at his bar where he is in like Jersey City. And, uh, uh, you know, it's just, I mean, you know, Hamilton's going to win everything. I mean, here, here's what's like nominated. It's all crap anyway. It doesn't really matter. This is from that Steve Martin show, which is, you know, just, I mean, it all sucks. Can you imagine having to see this? God, I'm so bored already. I'm bored. Uh, here's something from School of Rock. You always talk, talk, talk all the time. You never let me get in a word. I wish I had, I had a dime for every thought I've swallowed unheard. No matter what it is that I do, it's like I just can't seem to get through. God, this sucks. Right? I got so much to say. Oh I couldn't wanna see the real me. Andrew Lloyd Webber sucks, and I've said that for years. He is a ba- he somehow. I don't know how you can ruin a show called School of Rock with crap, but you stink, Andrew Lloyd Webber. You stink. Ugh. Now, this is interesting. This is, uh, I might see this. This is that show Waitress. Sarah Bareilles uh, made all the, uh, this sounds all right. It's, she did all the music for it. I like her. The day starts like the rest I've seen. Another carbon copy of where I've already been. Days keep coming, one out one, and they keep coming. It's comforting how some things never change. You know, she was smart. You know how I've always made fun of U2 uh, and what a bag of crap they are, that they did the music for Spider-Man but then didn't put out an album You know, for Spider-Man, then it, it probably would have been better. Well, this very smart woman, Sarah Borales, or however you pronounce her name, uh, did all the music for Waitress but then made an album called Waitress where she sang all the songs for her fans. Uh, you might know her from uh, this song, which I actually really liked a lot. You know why I like that song is because I didn't like it when I first heard it, but then I saw her play it live, like on the Today Show, just with a keyboard somewhere in Colorado, and I'm like, boy, she's really talented. You know how sometimes that happens where you like watch Saturday Night Live and you see somebody do a show live, and you're like, hey, this guy's all right. So that's what happened to me, and she's kind of interesting because um, 
you know, at least she's doing it the right way. She's taking the the show uh, seriously. Uh, I might check that out because I oh I don't know what I told you. So I got tickets to American Psycho for June 9th, which is uh, tomorrow, and then uh, I got the tickets, and the show closed uh, June 5th, which was Sunday. <laughs> uh, that's just so messed up when a show closes before the Tony Awards when it's nominated there's some pieces that are nominated it's like how do you not just wait one more week and see what happens that's that's when you know you you're not you're not good you're not good so we pretty are pretty sure Hamilton's going to win everything and why shouldn't it because we just heard what's out there and it's pretty goddamn bad and the fact of the matter is this is the greatest song of all time price of my love is not a price that you're willing to pay You cry in your tea which you hurl in the sea when you see me go by Why so sad? Remember we made an arrangement when you went away Now you're making me mad Remember despite our estrangement I'm your man You'll be back Soon you'll see You'll remember you belong to me You'll be back Time will tell You'll remember that I served you well Oceans rise Empires fall We have seen each other through it all And when push comes to shove I will send a fully armed battalion to remind you of my love. Da 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 fucking brilliant that's from hamilton and it's king george singing it and the best part is again you know this is the normal music for hamilton my grandfather was a fire and brimstone preacher, 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 preacher. but there were things that the homilies and hymns won't teach you break mistakes you know that's more uh you know it's more rappy it's more urban and it's so different than the crap we just heard and that's me saying who loves broadway and how great is it that he makes the British king or they're fighting against do the typical just white gay Broadway song, which is still the be- better than any of the songs we just heard before that. It's such a good show and it deserves all the accolades it's going to receive. And it will be a coronation on Sunday for Lynn Emanuel. <laughs> a coronation. But it's so well deserved. I mean, finally, it's like, it's like, it's like Donald Trump and the Golden State Warriors. It's the same thing. Finally, sh- somebody came in and shook it up. They shook up the system. This guy Lin Manuel said, "All the stuff on Broadway has been the same for fifty years. Let's shake it up and do something that people are listening to now, that kids are listening to." Oh my God! It couldn't really be any easier. And he made the perfect transition show where he still has the classic Broadway, you know, a couple of those, but mostly 
rap, urban, brilliance. Uh, Donald Trump uh, doing it a completely different way. Comes in, says how he feels. The most obvious thing in the whole world. Just says what's on his mind, kicking it, and just and everybody's like, I, I don't know how to handle this. I don't know how to handle this. I mean, that's the thing. They all look like fools. Everybody looks like fools. I'm not saying Donald Trump is the greatest person. He's, I'm not saying he's going to be the best president, but I'm just saying he's making everyone else. I know he says stupid stuff, but he really is making everyone in his party look stupid and everybody in all the parties look stupid because they don't know how to defend him. It's exactly like the Golden State Warriors, the connection I made on the show Red Eye with Tom Shalhoub. Nobody knows. The Golden State Warriors, they're like, they, they, they changed the game. Why? I don't know. Let's just shoot three points and see how many uh, see how many uh, points we can score. And everybody's like, "Wait a minute! What is it? What is this? I can't I can't defend this." Like LeBron James is even like, "This this isn't the wait a minute! I this isn't the way we're supposed to play. They're cheating." I, I, it's 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 there. It is Hamilton, Donald Trump, and the Golden State Warriors. Three examples in 2016, who in 2015 who have just said, screw everybody, we're doing it different. And you you got to hand it to them. And they're all, <coughs> you mean, Hamilton's going to win. The Golden State Warriors are probably going to win the second time and they're going to be the best team ever because they, you know, won more than anybody else. If Trump wins, he got the hat trick. And, and you know what? He's going to deserve to win because Hillary doesn't get it. And I don't know how many podcasts they've been on already where I've said nobody wants to hear your mainstream answers. Don't you get it? When there's killings in Tel Aviv, as what happened only hours ago, where they're just terrorists are killing innocent people for God knows what reason, why they're so angry. And Hillary's going to give you that. We, we need serious people to take on these, these terrorists and, and we'll get it done. No, nobody wants to hear that because we know you're not going to do that. You want to hear... A guy saying, these people are assholes and they're going to pay for it. These freaks of nature. You know, you just want to hear a guy step up and say what we're all thinking. And, they're gonna, and we're going to punish him. We're going to do it old school. And we're going we're gonna to do some Pulp Fiction. We're going to get some. We're going to get some pair of pliers and some thumb screws. And we're going to fuck up this rapist. We're going to go medieval on his ass. I mean, that's what we want to hear. Now, is that the right thing to say? Probably not, but that's why he's winning. That's all we want to hear when a terrorist attacks, not Hillary Clinton's basic answers that she's been, you know, trying doing since the 70s. Now, again, I got no problem. I mean, I, I know Hillary will probably be an outstanding president, but, you know, you're not going to win against this guy who's telling people what they want to hear. And, and that's why you're losing. And that's why you'll probably end up losing unless he just messes up big. But he's been messing up big. He threatens his judge. He says, this is a Mexican judge. He's not going to be impartial. I mean, this is a genius. This is genius. <coughs> How can I not like this guy? It's exactly the way I would run. How about this Mexican guy? You believe that? I mean, I, I, Hillary's going to lose. And she's going to lose bad. Because this guy is saying what people want to hear even if it's not the right thing to do, and no one knows how to defend it. In the next election, there might be somebody who comes out and says, here's how we handle this. 
next year, there might be a team that says, okay, now I know how to handle the Golden State Warriors. And you hope to God there's going to be some asshole out there who's going to say, like, I'd like to make a a really good Broadway show. (laughs) You know, that could maybe rival Hamilton. Uh, Just uh, in the news, uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, thank God that movie bombed bad. Nobody wants to see that again. I remember seeing it in the 90s, and I was, like, 24, and I was dating a 42-year-old, and she was so angry that I couldn't wait to see that movie and I made her sit through it, which is really funny because now I'm the old guy. But, uh, God, who gives a shit about that movie? Uh, here's really something funny. Kate Upton, who was, you know, super hot, is officially back in the modeling world after focusing on her acting career. Well, I mean, we know she's not very bright, but why would she quit modeling? Why can't you do both? Was she serious that she's like, I really want to focus on my acting career? You know I like that movie, The Other Woman, with her and Judd Apatow's wife and Cameron Diaz. I enjoy that movie very much. And she's really good in it. But she's a horrible actress. But it doesn't matter. It's just really somebody say to her, oh, you're so good in this movie. She was really good in the movie. But she, did you really think she was a great actress? And I told you, the reason why my nieces love my friend Ashley is because she reminds them of Kate Upton in that movie because of that positive attitude. And that did make Kate Upton really good in that movie, let alone just being... I mean, she's ridiculous. I mean, she really is sexy. She's a real woman, you know. But oh, but, but thank God she has modeling to fall back on. I've always like... I remember Jeff Ross, had, you know, he was dating this girl who was really hot. And she's like, well, if comedy doesn't work out, I can fall back on modeling. I'm like, you know what? Fuck you. You know why? Because I can't fall back on modeling. Damn! I hate that. That's the second girlfriend he's had who said I can fall back on modeling. God, would I love to fall back on modeling. Jesus Christ. So jealous. I want to be good looking in my next life. I really do. I think I just want to be boring and dull and good looking. And speaking of good looking, do you know that Tom Cruise hasn't seen his daughter Surrey in three years because Scientology forbids its members from associating with non-believers? This guy should never be in another film ever again. He's clearly an insane person. What kind of man would let a religion stand in the way, or whatever the fuck that is, of seeing his daughter? And where the hell are those other two kids where I've always talked about? Where are the ones he had with Nicole Kidman? Did they hand them back to the prop department and then say, where are all the kids he's had? Where are they? So he just gives up? Why isn't he in jail? I mean, what what is that? Oh, my God, that Scientology has to be stopped. He's, he's, I mean, he's completely brainwashed, and he really just shouldn't, nobody should hire him again. <coughs> because maybe that'll teach him a lesson. You know, if nobody hires him anymore, and he can't get work, oh, trust me, he'll leave Scientology in a second. Once people say, I can't work with you anymore because you're a Scientologist, oh, he'll leave all right. Oh, then all of a sudden, oh, yeah, you know what? That religion wasn't for me. Oh, trust me. Trust me. That'll happen within three seconds. But the fact that this douchebag doesn't want to see his own daughter, and again, I'm not a parent, but I, 
I mean, you know how serious I am about my cat. What an asshole. What a complete, this guy's obviously just gay and weird. We know that already, but really, people don't hire him anymore. Let's just end this Scientology nonsense. Look what it's doing. And, you know, shame on Katie Holmes for even putting up with this and having a kid with this guy. And I I said that from the very beginning. You know, what is she doing? She knew what she was getting into. Then she's all upset. You're an asshole, too. You know her kid's going to be hot, though. You know know what it is. Anyway, there's this thing called the uh, Bechdel test. Uh, There's a woman in the post, Elizabeth Vincentely from the New York Post. I can't pronounce her name. Uh, she's obviously a lesbian. I mean, that's what she looks like. And she's saying this Bechdel test. And this guy, this woman, uh, Allison Bechdel, I saw her. She was the one that wrote the graphic novel that Fun Home, which was last year's Tony winner, was based on. <coughs> uh, and it's called this thing called the Bechdel test. It's very interesting. And it appeared in the, in the comic by this woman. Uh, and she's talking about how she picks a woman... How she pick, uh, uh, talking to another woman, how she picks movies. And she needs at least, here, here's the criteria for the Bechdel test. And does a movie live up to that criteria? It's kind of interesting. The movie needs at least two female characters who speak to each other about something other than a man. And that's all it is. I, I, I think it's, that's interesting. Do you know how few movies there probably are about two women talking in a movie that don't involve a man? It's kind of interesting. But this woman, you know, uh, also says it can't really be a litmus test because artistry isn't taken into account in it. And she points out that The Godfather and Gravity are good movies that fail the test, you know? And then there are bad movies that pass the test like Sin City, who has, it's all females, and it's a terrible movie, and Showgirls passes the test with flying colors, but they're horrible movies. But it's, but it's still an interesting statement. It's like Woody Allen might be the only person that makes movies like that, and she probably hates Woody Allen, you know. But she's, the reason why she was saying is because when Memorial Day comes around, you know, you're always faced, she's saying we're faced with weeks and weeks of frustration because it's always movies where women are only there to be girlfriends, to be saved by a guy, to cry on the phone when their guy's dying or just to fulfill a quota because one's better than none. And she's bringing it up because she's praying because Ghostbusters might make the Bechdel test, but is it going to be funny? So if it turns out not to be funny, then you have another movie that has this test but it's not a good movie. And then you're screwed. I like that test. It's true. I mean, we, I mean, listen, you know, I also like the movies where the damsel's in distress and the guy saves her because I'm a guy and I like that, but I don't mind movies that have, you know, a couple strong women characters that don't talk about men. It might be nice once in a while because you know, it's, it's insulting. It, it really is. You know, I've been watching the bachelorette, because these girls at work told me, like, yeah, you're going to watch it. We can discuss it. And, uh, you know, Howard Stern talks about it all the time. I'm like, all right, I'll give it a season. I've been watching it. It's completely riveting. And Howard said this might be the best season. There's this guy chatting it, and he's such a villain that it's making the show completely entertaining. So 
I've actually very much enjoyed it. But oh my God, when they're sitting there talking and she's just like, yeah, I really want to get serious with them. I really want to, I'm like, oh my God, this is so boring. It's like women just, you know, and these guys that even go for it, like, I, I really want to open up to you. I'm like, how do you meet somebody and just start saying that? That's what makes the whole show weird. But again, I guess it's some form of stupid fantasy show or something. I don't know. Uh, I don't know what I'm saying. Listen, I don't know whether I like today's show or not. Uh, I'll have to listen to it and see what we think, but it is a show nonetheless. I don't know how I feel about it if I did that thing with the girls, uh, you know, at her apartment the right way. I don't know whether that works. I guess we'll see. Uh, and next week, uh, I'll, I'll be better. You know, I took two weeks off. Maybe I'm a little rusty. And, uh, you know, I wanted to do a, you know, a Tony thing, but yet I didn't because I was kind of bored with it. And I don't know where I'm going, you know? I don't know. But, uh, you know, I think uh, maybe I'll end with this gay song. It's a little gay, but I, I like this song. No, can I end with this? I, I, I did feel a little gay, don't I? But, uh, oh, whatever. What, what am I talking about? I just talked about. Uh, oh no, I know. Let's end with the uh, the Hamilton one. Oh, here, yeah, let's do this one because this is this is amazing. Let's just go in the midst of it. Yeah. <laughs> now I feel much better. Well, now I feel much less gay. Ending with this show tune. Oh, I feel much better now. Oh my god. How am I not married? What did we talk about today? You hear it now, the cough. 70s sitcoms, Broadway shows. Well, a little bit of dating, you know. Mostly just, uh, I don't know, girl movies. I'll figure it all out. Well, I hope you enjoyed the show either way, and I'm here for you. You know you love the Dave Just Got podcast. I'm doing uh, David Feldman's podcast, one of my favorite comedians, actually, on uh, Saturday afternoon. I was so honored that he asked, but then I saw some of the guests that he's had on uh, previous, and um, now I'm not honored anymore. It's like, you know, Sheba Mason and stuff like that. I'm like, oh, I guess he's having everybody on, but... He was a brilliant stand-up comic. You know, I don't really care for stand-up comics, but there's a couple people I would actually go see a 45-minute show, obviously tell. But this guy, David Feldman, was one of them. He was a very brilliant stand-up comic. And now he writes, like, for all Jeff Ross's roasts and stuff like that. He's a very good joke writer. He was in one of my favorite Curb Your Enthusiasms, where Larry stops that briss, and he's like, uh, I would like you to, uh, you know, speak at my son's bar mitzvah and stuff, so... I don't know, he's an interesting fellow, and um, I'm kind of excited to do it anyway. I like doing other people's podcasts, as you know. So, I'll tell you all about that next week, and um, have a lovely week with hopefully lovely June weather, and we'll see you next time on the Dave Juskow Podcast. Enjoy the Tonys! What? The Tony Awards and the NBA Playoffs. It's Dave Juskow's favorite day of the year. 